Welcome to Project VetCast, sixth episode, and thank you guys for tuning in. As always, I know I haven't said it in uh, more recent podcasts or episodes, but um, I'm pretty brand new to this. This is only my sixth episode of a podcast ever. So if there's anything you want to hear, if there's anything you think I can do better, if uh, there's something else I can be covering, send me an email. Uh, hit me up on uh, the new Facebook page we have up. Hit me up on Twitter. Um, either at Ian at projectvetcast.com or at any social media platform, you can look up uh, Project Vetcast. If you cannot find me on a platform, send me a message. Let me know, and I will set up a social media account there. Instagram's next, I guess. But anyways, so that being said, um, always open to criticism. I enjoy criticism. I might not like it at first. or see, I might seem a bit annoyed, but it'll stick with me. I'll think about it. And I'll probably do something about it. So there you go. So in this episode, I'm going to be covering the role that we as veterans play with the military after we get out. Um, our, because we have friends and possibly family in the military, our role as veterans in or our role in the military does not necessarily stop when we become veterans. You have a choice to uh, keep helping your friends, your family, your community, if you're in a military community. Um, so there's still still a role you play as a veteran. I'm also going to go over a career opportunity. I think uh, I enjoyed the last bit I did from, it was the interview guys and GI jobs. And it seems like these jobs match up down the line, like uh, number one, number two, so far the same. Um check out number three see if that has anything to do not so much so maybe they split off but uh it seems like a good number two and we'll be going over that so here we go as veterans we've seen issues in the military they may or may not have been the reason you got out um but there were problems you saw you know you as a junior enlisted person or a junior officer You've probably seen things get swept under the rug. You've probably seen things happen where standards weren't enforced the same way for certain people. And that's a problem for a military that says, you know, honor, courage, commitment. What are those? And, you know, you sit there through all this training to go through what's fair, what's right, what's illegal, what's whatever, what's what's in the general stand down, uh, what's an all hands call, what's what are we going over this time? But then. You see a junior enlisted person mess up, get crucified, and made an example of. But then you see a senior member of the military uh, do something, but the standard changes. Oh, no, we can't believe this happened. Well, we can't let the junior guys know. We can't let the junior troops see this and, and, and think differently of you. Come on, dude. Come on, bro. Come on, uh, sis. What were you thinking? All right, we got to get you home. We got to get you out of the, uh, the limelight, out of the spotlight, whatever. Um, so that nobody knows about this. Um, or, you know, man, you really messed up, but you've been serving a long time and we don't want to, we don't want to mess that up. You know, does, does longevity, is that what changes the standard for people? Cause from a, a point of view that that's what it looks like. And that's a hard pill to swallow as a junior person watching junior get, like I said, crucified for something. And then senior people, 
Oh no, let's push this under the rug. This didn't happen. Nothing to see here, guys. You know, I'm not calling anybody out specifically. I want to highlight that and make that really well known. I'm not calling out anybody, but I'm highlighting an issue that I've personally seen in the military that may or may not carry on with how I see things in the civilian life. I've personally in the military um, been called out for things that I didn't realize were going to get me in trouble. I have been, uh, people have done things incorrectly that I only find out about later that, well, this is what happened. And somebody comes back, well, no, this is how the process is supposed to work. You know, your, your counseling shit, shoot the punishment for your counseling shit. Uh, for anybody not familiar with the counseling shit, it's a piece of paper that goes over what you did wrong. And it may recommend, uh, extra military instruction, EMI. Maybe I got that wrong anyways, but you have to, extra military instruction just means, um, here's what you're going to do outside of the duties of your work. So you're still going to go to work, but outside of it, and there are standards for what EMI can be, but I've been to uh, places or seen or heard a story or know people who received EMI for a consequence for something. And the EMI was not, had nothing to do with what they got in trouble for. Um, I realized that that's happened to me. You know, I've got, I received EMI for something I messed up, but the EMI had nothing to do with what I got in trouble for, what I, how I messed up. Um, so learning about the processes that I've been through in the military and talking to people about them. And then they go, well, that's not the way that's supposed to work. That's not how that's supposed to happen. I have trust issues. I don't know who I can talk to sometimes. I have problems judging intentions. I have problems knowing who to trust, knowing who I can talk to, waiting to, when I have conversations, I sit there and think about, okay, what did I say that can get me in trouble? What can I, what damage control can I go over now to stop myself from getting into trouble to, to sit there and go back and apologize for, or say, oh yeah, that wasn't right. I'm sorry I did that or correct, you know? Um, and I hate it because is this how a normal person is supposed to function? Is this how a veteran is supposed to go about life questioning and everything questioning what they said, questioning what they do, questioning whether or not they can change things, whether or not they can, you know, provide real accountability or change or, or whatever. And again, this trust, these trust issues follow me into the civilian, uh, the veteran life. You know, when I talk to, you know, when I get to, dealing with people, I have to look at somebody that I do trust and be like, Hey, what do you think about this person? Or, Hey, did you hear anything I said that can get me in trouble? What do you think about what I said? There's a lot of energy invested into something that could be nothing, no big deal at all. So again, as I get, as I'm out or as I'm looking back on my past and what I've experienced as a military member, um, there's, you know, there's even the, the whole thing of, well, I was never in combat, so I don't have issues, man. I disagree. I think, uh, if you were in the military, you should still go see somebody. You should still go talk to somebody because there's no telling what you really saw or what you chose to ignore that is going to come back and bite you in the butt. But as a veteran, how do we help the military? How do we help them become better? How do we help um, how do we create change in the military to stop some of the problems that we saw and caused issues for us so that we saw and couldn't do anything about? How do we change that? How do we 
fix it? How do we provide accountability or bring real change and real solutions? Because I'm going to tell you right now, the problems that we see detract from overall military quality. They don't add, they don't make anything better. They make it worse. So again, off my soapbox, um, what do we as veterans see in the military that's a real issue? And what as veterans of the military, how do we play a role in our community? So what can you as a veteran do in your community and the role you play? Whether you're a contractor, a civilian employee for the military, you've got friends or family in the military, maybe you're a part of your community. Maybe, you know, as a, a senior um, senior military member, whether you enlisted or an officer, as a veteran now, now you're a, a veteran, but you have experiences or know how things work. How can you encourage people to seek help? How can you say things outside of your scope in the military now that you're out? How can you help? How can you create change? How can you make our military better? Because again, as veterans, as I've said before, I think veterans can provide real change and, and real solutions for the U.S., but I think we also specifically understand things that members of the military go through that civilians don't understand just because they've never been through or they they don't talk our language, they don't understand what we do, what we you know how we say things, they don't understand our culture. But as veterans we understand it the best. We know the problems out there. We know the Sorry about that, guys. Rant over. Uh, not even sure I was headed in a specific direction, or maybe I just hit a wall with the point I was going on, going uh, talking about. But um, yeah, if you if I didn't mention this before, this episode is more of a personal opinion than a factual thing. And while there may be factual things in this, again, it is it's really just personal opinion. It's my reflections. Um, so that being said, talking about that stuff felt good. Because I think that something needed to be said. I needed to say something about it and l just speak the words into existence. Um, <laughs> some of you may be laughing at me and I'm okay with that. But mentally, I feel better. You know, I feel like a load has been lifted off my shoulders because, again, there's a problem and I said something about it. As veterans, what do we experience? What did we experience that we're holding back on? You know, what is still a problem for military now that will make more people feel like us, you know, that will have more veterans disgruntled about a certain person or a place or a thing or a process, whatever. What is still a problem for military now that will make more people feel like we do now about things are the issues in the military, the way we want to relate to veterans in the future. You know, do we want to be like, Oh man, you know, you just got out. I've been out for 20 years and that's still a problem. That's terrible, man. We had to embrace the suck together. Or we can get, you know, we can vent to each other and drink beers and talk about this problem over and over and over and just make fun of it or, you know, how messed up it was. But there's nothing to do now. Um, how many people have to go through the issues we know about before someone says or does something about it? And I mean, in a positive way, in a negative way, it would be terrible because in ways it's already happened. When I was uh, security for a base, I mean, it, it made national news. We had a, a airman who, in the Navy, we call people who don't make it through buds, buds duds, or even I think uh, spec ops may get that title. It's so like EOD duds. I don't think that makes sense. But but we had a buds dud airman um, 
really fit, you know, trying to get back into buds, trying to become successful, trying to do what he joined the military to do. He didn't make it through buds and chose to become an airman. Um, and because he had a lot of problems with his squadron that I'm sure many people knew about before, even veterans, um, he did something about it, but he did something in such a terrible way. It caught national news. His parents uh, called for change, called for some kind of accountability. The dude literally walked into a propeller or a prop, as we say in the military, um, literally walked into a prop, looked at the pilot before he did it and told him he's sorry he had to watch it. Sorry, I'm, I'm sorry you have to see this and took the step. So how do we as veterans bring change to the issues we see in the military? How do we help our brothers and systems in arms be better and stronger, not just physically, but mentally? How do we make the military a stronger organization to, to do what it does, to fight wars, to protect the liberty and freedom of Americans? Anyways, I digress. Um, that, you know, that'll probably cover our role as veterans with the military after we get out. So next will be the career opportunities. So the number two job, which number one and number two on both these websites match up. So we'll go over this job from both websites. But number two, and the job titles are different. They're just the same industry, I guess you could say. But number two on the interview, guys, is IT manager for the ITs out there. Or if you aren't in IT, you could probably get into an IT manager job with a cyber degree um, or a computer IT degree. Um, if your military career focused on computing technologies, you might be able to transition into an IT manager position. These tech pros oversee the computing related needs of an organization, including infrastructure requirements, devices, and apps applications. There's another position where a bachelor's degree and some certifications can make a difference, allowing you to easily transition into the job with the proper creds. You could find yourself earning about $151,150 annually. And according to GI jobs, there's is computer information systems manager. And I want to say this is a cert specifically, like it's, I think the name or the acronym is SISM, but <clears throat> computer information systems managers manage the data and computer systems at your company. It can be hands-on in the code or more managerial, but either way you'll need hard coding skills. Maybe uh, again, the cert goes over it. So you probably want to get that. But hot job titles are Application Development Director, Computing Services Director, Data Processing Manager, Information Systems Director, Information Systems Manager, Information Systems Supervisors, with a median annual salary of $146,369. The uh, Bureau of Labor and Statistics, I might, got, I might have gotten the BLS wrong, but the Bureau of Labor and Statistics projects 10% job growth through 2029. Guys, I have a physical security background, but my degree is in cyber. And when I tell you that jobs are everywhere for IT right now, um, if you look into getting IT experience or cyber experience or whatever in the IT world, um, look at a specific job. You know, you can sit there and try and say, oh, well, I'll take whatever. But there are so many different fields expanding. There are so many different fields being stood up. There are so many different uh IT backgrounds out there that just going for anything you can get could require a lot of education. So if you specific, if you're more specific about something than 
uh, I want to learn IT. I want to be, um, I want to get a plus and, uh, just go find an IT job. You know, if you, I, I honestly personally enjoyed my degree because it gave me a lot of different, uh, experience in a lot of different fields. I know that I don't want to work on cloud dev cloud development. Um, I don't want to work with the cloud, but that is a booming field right now. That is a field to get into in the IT world because a lot of times right now are a lot of companies that do software as a service or uh, infrastructure as a service or platform as a service. A lot of these as a services things are a big uh, job model or a uh, business model, a business plan, and it's earning companies a lot of money. But they're only able to do that because they're able to offer a remote data center or a data center somewhere and its memory to people from all over. I mean, I use a hosting service for a website that I run uh, for Project Vetcast. I use a hosting service and that's possible because of the cloud. Um, something I thought that was really cool when I got my degree was I was able to take um, ethical hacking and penetration testing classes. And man, that was really cool to get into because I was able to mess with what's called a metasploitable machine or an exploitable uh, operating system. And I was able to see the most basic level of breaking into a system, going through what's called hashes or, um, you know, protected passwords and stuff. I was able to, it's so easy to do too. It's bizarre. If somebody like me who started his cyber degree, technology illiterate can end his degree and get, um, and have the experience, the ability to crack through a system and, you know, reveal a, ha a password based on the hash it has. And I may be speaking over a lot of heads right now. I'm used to it by now. Um, and a lot of people might, you know, tell me, dude, you're, you're speaking basic language. That's fine. I got my degree in it. I think that's uh, all the knowledge I have in it right now. And I haven't gone much further with it. But again, get your computer to get a degree in like IT or cybersecurity or something. Um, because like I said, SISM is a certificate. In the IT world, you don't need a degree. I mean, a degree makes you competitive. And, you know, a degree with a cert, a degree with security plus at the time of this podcast, this episode is the golden ticket right now. It will get you a ton of jobs. If you're having problems finding jobs and you have an IT degree, period, get security plus. Um, if you're interested in IT certifications, there's a CompTIA roadmap. CompTIA and Cisco, I believe, are the two main certification standards. I could be very wrong. There are a lot more certification uh, certifications popping up just because, as I said earlier, the IT world is booming right now. Um, <clears throat> so, for example, with SISM, I believe is not a i think it might be cisco um and anybody who has this cert correct me if i'm wrong either message me publicly post on a page or tweet or whatever um sism i think is cisco but i could be wrong but anyways uh comptia a plus is the most basic cert you can get and it pretty much just teaches you how a computer operates and what the insides are and basic basic stuff you don't need an a plus cert to get started um, <clears throat> but the different fields we'll go over for CompTIA, the different certs and levels going from beginner, intermediate, advanced expert, um, are information security, which is huge because right now the U S lacks 
in security or cyber information security, you name it. The U.S. needs as many security experts as they can get. Probably why the Security Plus Cert is so hot right now. Network and cloud technologies, big field. Hardware services and infrastructure because everybody needs them. IT management and strategy. I think that'd be a big one, but you need a lot of experience uh, in the IT world to strategize or manage it. <clears throat> Storage and data, web and mobile, software development, and then training, of course, which again is probably one of those fields you need a lot of experience in to get the cert. Cisco has its own certs, the CCNP. Um, look, doing a quick Google search for SISM certification. It's an ISACA cert. So it's offered by ISACA, which I'm about to look up what that is to let you guys know. Um, ISACA's Certified Information Security Manager, SISM, was that with, no, that said computer, excuse me. Um, computer Information Systems Manager. I think they do the same thing though. But SISM certifies or indicates expertise in information security governance, program development and management, incidents manage, incident management and risk management. Take your career out of the technical realm to management. Uh, on ISACA's website, they uh, they talk about how there are 46K plus cert holders for SISM. 118K plus is the average salary of SISM holders. And it is an ANSI accredited program. Um, yep. So you also have the Chief Information Security, RCs. Uh, there's CRISC. Basically, it offers other certs as well. So anyways, that's it for the career opportunity. If you're looking to get an IT, maybe I should break down more in IT um, in the future because there are so many different roles. If you guys want to hear more about IT, let me know. Um, and I will go back on a later episode and talk more about the role you want to hear about. I'll do the research. I understand the field of IT or cybersecurity a lot better. And um yeah, it's a great field to get into. That is it for the sixth episode, guys. If you ever need to talk or have any questions at all, please feel free to email me at ian at projectvetcast.com or hit me up over social media, Twitter, Facebook. Um, I think you can contact me on the website as well. Um, I'm happy to listen, bounce ideas back and forth, help you figure things out. I'm a veteran, and if you're a veteran too, I'm your brother. <laughs>